Uh, we're going to spend some time together and we're going to just reflect, look at, read some scripture and, uh, and focus on Easter Sunday, the, uh, looking at uh, the death of Jesus Christ. And uh, yeah, I just want to share some thoughts with you um, just over this time. And as I shared earlier, it was really good to, to know that uh, church was later on and uh, got, me, got me thinking as opposed to the, the pastors preach in the morning or people's uh, worship to like, get me in the mood in terms of get me or get my mind thinking around uh, Good Friday and actually the, the meaning and the significance behind it. And so that was good this morning to be able to do that. And so just pondering the whole day, coming to this time to share with you. Um, yeah, I hope it's uh, that which I share with you, there's something in it for you. As we go into a, 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 where we eat together and uh, extended worship and uh, uh, an opportunity to reflect some more. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that this is the start. And then as I tag with uh, Charlene and Tim, that uh, it's a significant um, evening for you. So it's good to be together. I want to read, uh, you don't have to turn there because there's another scripture that I'm going to go to, but I, I just want to uh, set the context in Luke chapter 23, and uh, all the Gospels have an account of the death of Jesus. But I just find this, 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 this account in Luke uh, quite gentle, um, you know, just in terms of all that Jesus has gone through, to come and read these words, and it just, uh, it's just a gentle description of how Jesus died, and we know that it was all but, but gentle for him in the way that he died, but just the reflection uh, in terms of Luke, how he writes it. Um, and it goes like this. It was now about noon, and darkness had come over the whole land until three in the afternoon, and the sun stopped shining, and the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this is a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. But all those that knew him, including the woman who followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. But just that phrase there, Father, into your, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Wow. He breathed his last. Um, so just with that context, I want to I look at uh, uh, something that I've been pondering on um, uh, for the last two weeks. Actually, probably for this last sermon series. And uh, it goes back to the festival. So I wanna, there's, a, there's a new slide that I've put together um, looking at um, just some of the, some of the, the thoughts that, that's been going into my head. And so... Um, these are the seven festivals, and, and this, I'm not going to promise, but this will be the last time that I'm sharing them with you. <laughs> I've just been so, it's been something new, I guess. It's been something different that I've, that I've had a look at. And so I have the privilege, as opposed to the other preachers, to pick up probably from where I left off. Um, but it's quite significant as we look at the death of Jesus uh, this evening, that we have this picture in our mind again. And so we know that there are seven, there, there are seven festivals. There's Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, the Pentecost uh, uh, festival, then, it, then, then sort of those were the, uh, the, the first four, and then later on in the year, uh, the festival of trumpets, the day of atonement, and the festival of the tabernacle. Do you remember the one that you spoke in your group uh, last week Sunday about? Do you remember it? Let it just come to the forefront of your mind, and like, 
Um, and so what I want to do is, I put this, can you guys see that, sorry. So I put this, I put, I put sort of the, the journey of Jesus um, uh, underneath and uh, looking at sort of the, uh, the, 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 the festivals. And so we know that, it, uh, I think it's in the, uh, it's in the time of Christ, it, there was, it was day and night, day and night. We, we look at day as day and night, but for them it's night and day, night and day. I think that's how they, that's how they frame their day. So it's night and day, night and day. We've got day and night. So it's, it's a bit confusing because like, if you think about it, so he, he died and three days later he rose again. How did that all work? So I'm really trying to get into that. You know? And my encouragement is to read the scriptures, to understand it for yourself and, and figure it out. So this is, what, this is how I've sort of uh, figured it out. So um, Jesus died on Passover. So there was the Passover meal. And I actually want to spend a lot of time on that this evening. The Passover meal with Jesus and his disciples. So the night... Where Jesus, or the night before Jesus died, or the night before the day he died, he was with his friends having the Passover meal. It's quite significant because he knew he was about to die. Uh, as we read a little bit further, uh, I'll show you in the Passover meal. But he decided to be with his disciples. And so Jesus died on, on Passover. Uh, he was on the tomb in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So he was in the grave in, with the when the festival sort of the next day. So the festival of unleavened bread actually started on Passover and then goes for seven days. Uh, I could get that a little bit wrong, but, um, but uh, in the tomb, they celebrated unleavened bread. Then Jesus rose from the dead in the, the festival of the first fruits, which is very significant. And then 50 days later, it is a Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost, that Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit is released. Um, yeah, I just found it quite significant that 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 particularly these three here, uh, Jesus died on Passover. Uh, he was in the tomb uh, during uh, the, t- uh, the festival of unleavened bread, and then uh, at first fruits, uh, Jesus rose from the dead, um, and uh, very significant. But what I want to do this evening is I want to I want to for us to look at. Jesus on the Passover, because Jesus talks about his death uh, at, the, the, at the Passover meal with his disciples. And bearing in mind that it's the next day that Jesus dies, so he's foretelling actually uh, his death. He foretells the significance of his death to his disciples. And, um, and so there's a scripture that I, I, I do want to look, I, I know that Mark has a great encounter, or Mark uh, shares a, a lot about, um, about what, what I want to share. But it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Um, and Jesus, uh, and, and Paul's writing, and he says, uh, For I received from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks, and he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And I want to focus on that this evening because we'll have communion a bit later as well uh, uh, in the the service. But, 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 yeah, that portion of scripture there, um, just the context, um, it's the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And come chat to me afterwards if I get my timing all wrong. Um, and uh, and and uh, it's um, uh, and it's the Passover meal that uh, and they're remembering what what God did for the Israelites 
when they when they came out of out of slavery, um, and uh, and that's what they're remembering. Um, and so it was Jesus and his disciples, and they're together in a friend's room, and the place is a large upper room. And uh, and what's quite interesting is that if you read a little bit into the story, it's Jesus and his disciples having sharing the Passover the Passover meal. And uh, and uh, there's a there's an observation that there are no servants in the room, and I suspect that you know uh, uh, you know in, in the upper room where the a group of people are getting together there is there is a servant, and the servant obviously uh, uh, serves the people in the room. Why do why do I say there wasn't a servant? Because I think it's in the during the meal or at the beginning of the meal. I'm not really sure, but Jesus gets up and he puts on a, a servant uh, robe or whatever it is, and he washes his disciples' feet. And in the culture, that when you came to a meal, you get your feet washed by a, a servant. And so Jesus himself, he washes his disciples' feet. Um, and uh, this example that Jesus gives is is a reminder that authentic love must always express itself in humble service. I mean, Jesus is going to show authentic love and show it in humble service when he dies on the cross for your sins and mine. And so there's so much Im imagery in terms of just like, you know, if you go into a little bit more detail and you, you start understanding behind the scenes and you start, you know, the story of God just sort of opens up or sort of like it goes from black and white to color, you know, when you, when you start understanding. And so Jesus washing his disciples' feet, it, it could be an expression of this authentic love that must express itself in humble service. Um, and, uh, and Jesus as well would want to remind his disciples if they want to be identified as, in, as his disciples, they need to do it in a way where they love one another because that's how the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yes. And it's true to say that uh, at, the, at the base of, of the death of Jesus Christ is <coughs> his love for you and I. His love for you and I. And so it's in this upper room that Jesus is with his disciples and he's sharing this meal with them. Um, and this, this meal has been going for many, many years, going all the way back to when, when, uh, when the Israelites left Egypt. Um, all the way back there, every year they celebrated the Passover meal. They'd go to Jerusalem and share the Passover meal. I think Chantel was saying that there's another, there was another, another date for a Passover meal if you couldn't make... You know, I don't want to go into that, but, but uh, the, the Passover meal was, was a very um, important date in the life of a, an Israelite uh, in the time of Christ. And up until that and, and uh, certainly after that, but we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of that Passover meal. And so there they are, they're in the upper room and they're sharing, they're sharing this, uh, this um, Passover meal. Then Jesus, he does another thing. It's quite fascinating. So what he did is wash people. He washed the disciples' feet, and now they're like, "Okay, he washed my feet." Like now we're having a meal, and you can just imagine, like you know, he's sitting there, and he goes, "Okay, I've got something else for you." Imagine being in that room. What else does he have? So Jesus takes some bread, probably bread on the table. He gives thanks. He breaks it, and he hands it out. And he says these words, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now this is before he dies. I mean the, the, the prophetic sort of action in that is profound. And in the same way, after supper, he takes a cup, cup with wine and gives thanks and he passes it and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So that is something totally out of the norm. Totally out of the norm. Washing his disciples' feet and then doing this, the bread and the wine. Like, it's such a pity because these familiar words or these familiar words and acts <coughs> takes us to a place where an encounter like this has little impact. And that's why I loved what you guys are doing. Let's stir it up. Let's mix it up. Let's, let's get us as Christ followers reading our scripture, reading the Bible, knowing God's story. Let's stir it up because, because the encounter that I just read with you there in terms of Jesus and his disciples in, the, in, in, that, in that big upper room um, and what he has done and the words that he said should have huge in, implications or impact in our lives, even for us as Christians today. I mean, I've been a Christian for many years and I always come to Easter or Christmas and I say, what's different, what's different? And it's not me to find the difference, it's the Holy Spirit to bring it, but, but we've got to mix it up and we, you know, we've got to read the scriptures. And so I, 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 I was encouraged this morning by just reading that again and again and again. Um, see, these, these words and the deeds of Jesus throw light on, on Jesus' own view of his death. And Jesus is communicating with his disciples uh, about his death before it actually takes place. Uh, and he's giving them the meaning and the, the purpose behind his death in quite an intimate setting. And what I want to do is just share three things with you in terms of well, what, are the, what are the three things that, that I get out of that, 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 that encounter with Jesus and his disciples having that, that Passover meal. Three things around the, the cross and the importance of the cross. So the first one is the, 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 there is the centrality of the cross for the Christian faith. There is the centrality of the cross for the Christian faith. See, Jesus was giving them the instruction um, that this is his memorial service. Or this is what is, you know, this is, this is the sort of insight behind his memorial service. And for you and I, memorial service is a once-off thing and we speak into somebody's life. And what Jesus is saying, no, it's my memorial service and this is what, this is what it's going to be like, but it's with a difference. It's not a once-off remembrance. It's a, a regular meal or a service um, that he told his disciples to repeat it over and over again. Not only to repeat it over and over again, but to pass it on. He's saying, copy what, what I've done by breaking of the bread and, uh, and, and passing out the wine in act and deed. So as we look at the, the cross being the central to the Christian faith, we look at Jesus uses uh, communion to express that. His body broken, his blood shed. We, we, we read that encounter, what Jesus is saying is we need to take, we need to bless, we need to break, and we need to share the bread and the grape juice. And what Jesus is saying is this an encounter that the centrality of the cross is of utmost importance for us as Christians. And he, as I said, he uses the bread as a symbol and he uses the wine. The bread that he uses, he talks about it being his body, but not his living body. He talks about it's going to be his, his, his body after he has died. Or it's his body that is broken for us on the cross. And, and, and the wine represents the blood. And it's not the blood running through his veins, but it's going to be the blood that is going to be poured out. And so Jesus is saying that the, the cross is central to it all. And as we look at the different festivals, 
uh, for me, my, uh, uh, just reading that, I mean, the cross is central. Why? Because he is the sacrificial lamb. Why? Because he is the one that atones for all. The curtain at his death was torn in two, significantly from the top to the bottom. There weren't the disciples climbing ladders, tearing from the bottom up. It tore from the, from, from the top to the bottom. The, the, the centrality of the cross is so important for us as Christ followers because it tells us something about Christ. So as you look at that, what, what comes to your mind? Uh, it'll be quite interesting. I'm just going to open it up and be nice for you to, to hear from you. For you, why is the cross so central to your Christian faith? And it could be one of the, the festivals. It could be something else that you'd like to share. And I didn't prep it, so... Anyone? Yeah? There is no one, for me the significance is, there's no one that has ever gone to those extremes for me. Ransomed me with the, with the blood of his own son. Ransomed me with the blood of a king. Mm. Ransomed me and knew that this would happen years before and that's where my valiant work lies is in who he says I am yeah. not right. who I know I am yeah. Yeah. he brings a ransom mm -hmm. the centrality of the cross he brings a ransom great let's have two or three others Any, anyone else central to your faith. The election. Resurrection. Yes. That 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 Jesus had to die in order for him to rise from the dead. No. Exactly. That uh that the death of Jesus is central to the Christian faith because he has the final victory over death. That Satan is defeated. Yeah. So looking at this, at this encounter with Jesus and his disciples, that uh, Jesus is bringing the centrality of the cross to the fore. Secondly, we see that uh, uh, Jesus is teaching about the purpose of the cross, the purpose of his death. In the words that he uses about the cup, he's referring to his blood. He said, you know, the wine in this cup is, is the blood, but he goes on more than just saying it's the, the blood. It says it's the blood of the new covenant. But not only that, he, he also says that um, 
uh, it's the, the blood that is shed for the forgiveness of sins. So, the, so Jesus is, is taking the cup and the wine is represented of, of is going to represent his blood. Um, and he says that uh, this is the blood of the new covenant uh, and is associated with um, the forgiveness of sins. What does he mean by this? And um, as, as, we, as we look at it, is that, that through the shedding of Jesus' blood uh, in his death, God will take the initiative to establish a new pact, a new covenant with his people. And, with, uh, and this goes back to God, what's God's story. And uh, uh, one, of, one of the great promises that we, that we read is this idea of the forgiveness of sins. And this is new for me. It's not new for me, but it, it reminded me again that as I reflect on the, on the death of Jesus, I reflect on the cross, this, this new covenant, this new covenant is for the forgiveness of your sins. This new covenant is the forgive, for the forgiveness of your sins. Reminded afresh about that today. If we go back into God's story, God initiated a covenant with Abraham. And uh, he was promising to bless him and make him a great nation. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I'll make you a great nation. Uh, I'll, I, I, you'll, you'll be blessed to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that still stands for us as Christ followers. <coughs> to, to hold on to that to that, uh, that covenant that God made with Abraham. Then we see God renewing that covenant at Mount Sinai with Moses. And what, God, what, what he does is he pledges himself to be their God and for them to be his people. You'll, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. That's the covenant that he renews with the people of Israel through Moses. And as we read the Old Testament, we see the people broke the covenant with God and provoked God's judgment on them. And it took about seven centuries before Christ in Jeremiah 42 verse 6 where we read there where God declares that He's going to do a new thing. He's going to do a new thing. That the law is not going to be written, in the, 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 the law is not going to be remembered in the mind, but God is going to write His law in the minds and in the hearts of people. He's going to do a new thing. And 600 years from that prophecy that passed on, uh, waiting patiently and with this growing expectation um, until one evening in an upper room in Jerusalem, celebrating Passover, this Galilean, a carpenter by trade and a preacher by vocation, stands up, takes some bread, places it, breaks it, gives it, passes the cup around, Jesus, in effect, uh, is saying this. This new covenant, prophesied by Jeremiah, is about to be established. The forgiveness of sins promised as one of the distinctive blessings from this new covenant will become available. And the sacrifice to seal the covenant, to receive the forgiveness, will be the shedding of my own blood. This is the view of Jesus and his death. It's, it is this divinely appointed sacrifice by which this new covenant um, with its promises of forgiveness will be experienced. Romans 4.25 He was He will deliver us from, from our death. He will deliver us over death. For our sins 
and uh, sorry, my writing is bad. He was delivered over, sorry, he was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3 verse 18. For Christ died for our sins once and for all. For the righteous and unrighteous. This idea of, of this new covenant is the establishment of the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. So there's the centrality of the cross, there's the purpose of the cross, and then the third thing that I want to share with you is that uh, Jesus is teaching through this upper room experience with his disciples that we need to appropriate for the death of Jesus Christ personally. We need to appropriate for the death of Jesus Christ personally. Like I try to get a different word for it, but it's a theological understanding of we need to appropriate correctly for the death of Jesus Christ. And I'll explain that in a second. Jesus, he, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it, and he gave a, a, a simple, a, a, a small explanation uh, or the, the significance of what he was doing, and he made them eat it. As he took the cup, he, he prayed a blessing of the cup, and he gave it, and he said, drink it. So it'd be a little bit different if Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to break this bread, bless it, this is my body broken for you, I'm going to leave it on the table. It would be different if Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, I'm going to give it to somebody else and you don't have to eat it. It's quite, it's quite important for us to understand that. It's very simple in terms of Jesus' instruction. He broke it, he blessed it, he gave an explanation and he said, you must eat it. You must drink it. And in this drama that's unfolding in this upper room with locals, of these guys that are just uh, ha having a, a Passover meal with Jesus is about to change the whole of, 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 of sort of what we know it is about like uh, 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 Jesus and the fulfillment of all these festivals. We see that in this encounter and uh, I hope for us as, as, as Wellspring that this is part of our DNA. We're not spectators but we Partakers. We partakers. Jesus' message is saying it's not enough to break bread or to pass, out, pass, pass the wine around. We need to drink it and we need to eat it. There's that teaching in John 6 verse 53 where Jesus talks about you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people saying, this teaching is unacceptable for us to understand. W what is it all about? I guess it's the parable of the, <coughs> of the bread and the grape juice. That, uh, that I'm the bread of life. But you must partake in me. It's to give an accurate or a, a right to, uh, you know, like, um, response to Jesus and his invitation for us to eat and drink. There's something deeply spiritual in understanding that. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat it. This is my blood shed for you. Take and drink it. We need to respond to this invitation. That got me thinking about, you know, um, uh, for Jesus to give his body and his blood uh, in his death was one thing. And it's another thing 
to make a blessing or to take a blessing or to receive a blessing from his death for ourselves. The view that we could possibly have is because Jesus died, the world will automatically be right. Or the world will automatically be blessed. Or the fact of Jesus dying, or the knowledge of Jesus dying, can lead to salvation, but it doesn't. That we need to respond to the invitation to, to eat and to drink. We need to make a right, we, we need to appropriate for the death of Jesus Christ personally. It got me thinking about my own sin. And I don't want to share that tonight. <laughs> but there's enough. There's enough as we eat and drink. For the new covenant is for the forgiveness of sin. Now look, we need to, as a church, find opportunities to talk about temptation. We need to create opportunities to create platforms where we're able to communicate around our sin. And... Uh, and, and celebrating in communion. I, 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 I don't think it's a thing of we're going to have communion now and if you're not right with God, don't have it. You're missing the blessing. You're missing the understanding or the, the acceptance of this new covenant is for the forgiveness of sin. Yes. Or come up and receive communion and on your chair you leave everything that's of you that you feel embarrassed about, or ashamed about, or feel that God's not going to accept you for. And you leave it there and you come to the, the communion table and you become all religious and you take it and you go back to your seat where all your stuff you left behind. Bring it. Bring it and as you have communion, we can celebrate knowing that, that Jesus died. That Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I like what you're saying. Is a is a, a ransom for me. And maybe for you it's tonight to say that Jesus died for my sins. Own it and say, Lord, I come to communion tonight, and I, I, I rem I'm reminded of that that Passover meal in that upper room. I wonder if it's the same upper room where the Holy Spirit came down. That would be interesting. I remember that. I remember how you, you fulfilled the Passover meal by becoming that, that perfect sacrificial lamb. And it had to be a, a perfect sacrificial lamb for order, for, in order for God to forgive our sins. Certainly my sins. I don't know about your sins. Nothing but that would suffice. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. There is this divine gift and this human acceptance. There is this divine gift and for us as humans to accept. There is this divine invitation and this human response. I was thinking, for God so loved the world that whoever believed in Him should not have perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that speaks to the new covenant that God comes to forgive sins. And when your sins are forgiven, you have this eternal life. 
gets us thinking a little bit different. We look at those scriptures. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time and thank you that we could come together and, uh, and read scripture and uh, just ponder on what it means for us to, for us as Christians, for us as Christ followers to, to reflect on your death. We know that on Sunday you, you rise from the dead and we celebrate your resurrection. But, but tonight we, we want to come and just reflect. We want to reflect on the centrality of the cross. We want to reflect on the purpose of the cross. We want to reflect on our response to that. Our response to that. You call us to respond by eating and drinking. We can have some communion now. And uh, the worship team is going to lead us in the song. Um, what I'd like to do is just quite a reflective time. So the elements will be here. Um, come and get the grape juice and the bread. Go back to your seat. You might want to share it with somebody. You might want to share it on your own. We're going to have to like, perhaps through the, the length of the song, just, um, just for you to reflect just, you know, um, on, um, on the message this evening. Maybe the Holy Spirit has, has stirred your heart. Um, my encouragement to you as well is like bring off all of who you are everything about you great and so yeah I'm just gonna just read that scripture again and uh, take your time we're gonna have this whole song where you can just come and, uh, and reflect thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you for this evening covenant of forgiveness. Thank you that our sins can be forgiven. Thank you that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. for our sins but you took our place on the cross sin is defeated sin hasn't defeated us thank you that your body was broken your blood was shed and perhaps tonight Lord for the first time we will respond by receiving this bread receiving this juice see from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant 
in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we as your people, God, can get to celebrate this moment, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you declared it is finished. And God, I thank you, Lord, that I, I am forgiven. Lord, and we want to just personalize the word that we heard this evening, that I am forgiven. Thank you, Father, for taking on my sins on that cross, Lord. And I thank you for the gift of eternal life that you gave in exchange what you did at Calvary on behalf of the world. So God, this evening, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the message that is brought, Lord. I thank you for the worship that we could just spend time in, Father. I ask that you would bless everything. And even as we, um, Lord Jesus, just have some supper together and have fellowship together, I pray, God, that you would bless the meal, Lord, that's set before us. I thank you for every person that has contributed, Father. And I thank you for a wonderful evening that lies ahead, because we know, God, you've got something new that you want to do. And we're going to shake it up, God, and we're going to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. So we want to honor you and glorify you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.